0: Welcome to the legacy teachings of Bill Anzovino, pastor of Christian Assembly Church since 1979. Though these teachings are decades old, we invite you to get out your Bible, take notes, and get ready to receive the uncompromised teaching of God's Word. For more information about Christian Assembly Church, please visit us online at cafamily.net. If you brought an Amplified Bible tonight, we'll probably be looking at some scriptures there in the Amplified Version But if you have your King James, the good old trustworthy, we can still look at that and you'll still be blessed. Amen? Amen. Before we study God's Word together, let's pray. Father, we give you thanks tonight in Jesus' name for the privilege of studying your holy written Word together. And as we study it, we invite the Holy Spirit to be our teacher and to be our guide. We expect our Father God to be quickened according unto your Word, we expect hearts to be touched lives to be changed. And Father, I thank You for utterance in the Holy Ghost to proclaim with boldness and accuracy the knowledge of the truth that will make us free. We'll give You all the glory, honor, and praise for everything that's accomplished and achieved among us. In Jesus' name, amen. 1 Corinthians in chapter 13 and verse 13 in the King James says, And now abideth faith, hope, charity, these three... But the greatest of these is charity. And of course, the word charity there in that text is the Greek word agape. And it was translated charity, but other places it's translated love. I really believe that it's translated charity here because of the importance of understanding that even though we may use that term love there's still something that's beyond the realm of natural human love that needs to be understood. And that's why it was translated charity, but really, I believe it should have been left agape. What about you? should have been left that way, and then we would have known that there was a new kind of love that God was speaking to us about. The kind of love that goes beyond human scope. As a matter of fact, in Ephesians 3, we are told the love of Christ goes beyond... Human knowledge. And in Christ is the knowledge of the love of God, the length, the breadth, the depth, and the height. And so this word charity is actually stating to us that it's the love of God. And we've already discovered that God is love. And if you want to know God, then you've got to know love. And the word again is agape, agape love. You've got to know love in order to know God. So whoever wants to grow in God wants to grow in the knowledge of love. Because 1 John 4, 7 and 8 says what? Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God. He that loveth is born of God and knoweth God. He that loveth not knoweth not God, for God is love. And again, it's the Greek word agape. And so if we don't understand agape, we're not going to understand God. And if we don't grow in agape, we're not going to grow in God. How many of you want to be made perfect in God? Boy, I'm glad you said that. You you, you just got yourself in trouble. Hold your place there and look at Matthew chapter 5. Look at Matthew chapter 5. And let's begin reading at verse 43. You have heard that it hath been said, Thou shalt love thy neighbor and hate thine enemy. But I say unto you, love your friends. Love your girlfriend. Love your wife. Love your husband. Love your kids. No, love grandma. Love grandpa. Wait a minute here. It says, love your enemies. Oh, who does that? Well, Jesus said, love your enemies, and this is how you love your enemies. How do we do that? He said, bless them that curse you. And the word bless means to speak well of, and the word curse means to speak evil of. Speak well of those that speak evil of you. Your enemies usually speak evil of you, isn't that true? I don't know too many enemies that speak well of us, do you? But you are to speak well Of those that speak evil of you. Well, wait a minute. What's the value in that? Well, the Bible says we're to overcome evil with good. Amen? And there's a whole lot more to it than even that. And we'll pick that up a little bit later. But he said here to bless them that curse you and do good to them that hate you. Who does that? Now listen. And praying for them which despitefully use you and persecute you. Now, you have to really consider this. When you pray for somebody, it's usually not your enemy. And it's usually not those that are persecuting you and abusing you. True. You know, we think about praying for Grandma and Grandpa and our kids and our our mates and and etc., etc. But what about our enemy? That we don't think about. But he goes on and says in in the verse 45, the next verse, that you may be the children of your father, which is in heaven, for he maketh his son to rise on the evil and on the good and sendeth rain on the just and on the unjust. Now, notice the sun is shining for both the good and the evil sun still shines every day. And we need rain, the rain falls also upon the just and the unjust, your garden. For if you love them which love you, what reward have you? Do not even the publicans the same? And if you salute your brethren only, what do you more than others? Do not even the publicans so? Now notice, Be ye therefore perfect. One cannot achieve spiritual perfection without learning how to love his enemies. Wow. When you talk about living in God's realm, you mean living in love's realm because God is love. And God's realm of love includes our loving God with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength, loving our neighbor as ourselves, and loving even our enemies. By doing good to those that hate us, by speaking well of those that speak evil of us, and praying for those that continue to persecute and abuse us. That we may be perfect as our Father which in heaven is perfect. Can you see that? Now, someone says, well, what's the value of me practicing something like that? Well, let me state it to you like this. If you want to live in health and if you want to experience God's richest and best blessings on this earth and attain to God's highest rewards in eternity, then we must put agape love as the top priority of our lives. I remember listening to Brother Hagin teaching and also reading after some of his materials, and he said, when people ask me why it is that I have lived in such divine health over the many, many years of my life in ministry, he says, I always tell them it's because I walk and live in the realm of love. See, sometimes we think, well, if we just had stronger faith, we can get greater miracles from God. But in actuality, one's faith will never rise above his level of love. Because it's love that makes faith work. Faith which worketh by love is found in Galatians 5, 6. And if one is not growing in love, then he is not growing in faith. Can you see that? So, in other words, if we want to have great faith, then we must develop love. And if you think about the components of love or the characteristics of love, you'll see why then the person will also have great faith. Because faith also needs patience, does it not, in order to bring results? Well, love endures long and is patient and kind. So, there are many attributes found in love that will support our faith and enable our faith to grow that we need to be aware of. And if we start practicing more walking in the divine love of God, there will come with that the expansion of our faith. Our, our faith life will you know, expand. In other words, we'll have greater faith. We'll grow in the realm of faith as we grow in the realm of love. And so we are told, now if you go on back there to 1 Corinthians chapter 14 and verse 1, we are told... In that verse, and I'm going to read it to you from the Amplify Bible because I believe it gives us a better understanding. We are told in First Corinthians 14, in verse one, to eagerly pursue and seek to acquire this love. Make it your aim, your great quest, and then earnestly desire and cultivate spiritual endowments or gifts. But notice the priority is to do what. To make divine love, agape love, our highest aim and greatest quest. No matter who we are, if we want to be balanced as a Christian, if we want to walk in and manifest the gifts of the Spirit, then divine love, agape love, has got to be the priority of our lives. In other words, these gifts are love gifts. And those gifts are born out of love and compassion. Therefore, every single child of God is really under a divine mandate to develop agape love or divine love so that he and she may rise up to a place of living in the realm of God. See, God has got to get a hold of us on the inside and cause change to take place so that we can be more like Him and be changed from glory to glory by His Spirit to be more like Him. And once again, God is love. Actually, I guess you could say this is getting back to basics, isn't it? God is love. And no matter what a person does, the Bible says in 1 Corinthians 13, as a matter of fact, you're right there. Look over there in verse 1. No matter what a person does with his life or in his life, though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels and have not divine love, I am become as sounding brass or a tinkling cymbal. And though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith so that I could remove mountains and have not charity, I am nothing. And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned, what more can you do in service for God than to give your body to be burned? Yet, if I have not charity even giving my body to be burned, profits me what? Not a thing. Nothing. And so you see, beloved, it's absolutely essential that every child of God puts divine love first on his or her list. And says, I am going to make an all-out effort to learn about and walk in this divine love. And the first step toward doing that it's found in Romans 5.5. 5. We've already made that statement before, but I'll repeat it again. Romans 5.5 5 says, The love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Spirit of God who was given to us. So say with me tonight, I have the love of God in my heart right now. We all have the love of God if we've been born again in our hearts. But that love that is in us has got to find Expression. If it is not expressed through our lives, then although we have something, it's not doing us any good. You know, if you're hungry and you've got $100 in your pocket and there's a store right on down the street or there's a restaurant down the street and you never take the money out of your pocket to go and buy yourself some food, it's not going to do you one bit of good. You've got the money in your pocket, but you're not making an exchange. You're not getting anything. It's there, but it's not feeding you. It could be used to feed you, but it's, it's not doing you a bit of good. It's not doing anything at all. You can have love on the inside of you, but yet if we never release it, if we never give it out, we do not touch lives and we do not change, you know, individuals that we come into contact with. And also, we don't grow in it. As a matter of fact, we'll be controlled by our five senses and we'll be controlled by our physical emotions. And divine love will not have any influence over our lives. Now, although God has made the deposit on the inside of us, to have it is one thing, to walk in it is another. But once again, let me reiterate, if we really want God's best and richest blessings, if we really want to learn how to live in the realm of divine health, if we want it to be well with our soul, if we want future blessings to come upon our children and our children's children should Jesus tarry, then we have got to learn to live in this realm and make a decision that regardless of what anybody else chooses to do, I am going to live the love life. I am going to manifest the love of God. And to be frank about it, beloved, the majority out there will not. Let's face it. How many of you believe here tonight that every single one of us in this place is totally yielded to divine love? if we don't do anything about putting under the flesh and putting under our feelings and emotions, then our feelings and emotions will control us. As a matter of fact, all you have to do to walk in the flesh is nothing. Just be you. Just be me. And you'll walk in the flesh. You'll be selfish. Self-centered, self-willed, and the I want this, and the I want that, and I'll do this, and I'll do that. But what did Jesus say? If a man will follow me, let him first deny himself. Do you know if you want something from God, you've got to deny yourself? Take up your cross and follow me. Now, wait a minute. Let's not misinterpret that. Deny yourself. Deny self. You know, I've got to deny my natural feelings and emotions, expression sometimes in order to receive from God. The Bible says we walk by faith, not by sight. Right? Well, my natural faith in sight, that is my feelings tell me, my emotions tell me, or, you know, feeling, touch, taste, smell, hearing, seeing, all this, sight dictates to me a certain thing. But in order for me to receive from God in the spirit realm, I've got to put aside all that and say, I choose to look at what God said above my senses. Isn't that what the Word teaches? Didn't Jesus say to doubting Thomas, because you've seen, you believe. Blessed are they who without seeing, believe. So in other words, God says that we are to live by faith, not by sight. And so we have got to be able to deny ourselves expressions sometimes according to our five senses and allow God's Word to have supreme authority in our lives and first place. And if we don't do that, then we're not going to see Jesus like we need to. Matter of fact, another verse of Scripture says in 2 Corinthians in chapter 4 and verse 18, while we look not at things seen, but at things that are not seen. So when you do that, what are you actually doing? You can say, I see difficulty, I see problems, I see trials, I see circumstances, and I see this and I see that. I see lack and I see want and I see fear and I see weakness and I see failure. All around me. But God says to do what? I want you to stop looking at that and start looking at something above that. I want you to see how much I love you. I want you to see how much I care for you. I want you to begin looking at the supreme sacrifice that was made, first of all, just for your eternal redemption. And then I want you to see another Verse of Scripture. If He spared not His only Son, but delivered Him up for us all, how shall He not with Him freely give us all things? Romans 8, 31 and 32. If God be for us, who can be against us? So in other words, in the midst of all the negatives, He says, I want you to rise up above that and I want you to deny yourself And I want you to see beyond the natural. That's how we follow Him. And so we say, okay, Lord, even though I see all this in front of me, it's lack, it's want, it's fear, it's it's weakness, it's anxiety, it's stress, it's whatever. I choose not to look at those things and make those things dictate to my life. I choose to lift up my sights. I choose to look through the eye of faith. And I believe that you're bigger than the problems I face in life. And so I'm thanking you for loving me so much. There's the realm of love right there. God loves us so much, beloved. He spared not Jesus. He delivered Him up for us all so that we can have all things freely given to us in this life. Well, go on back in First Corinthians in chapter 13. And once again, let's just review some of the characteristics of this love because if we don't do it and if we don't confess it then it will never have influence over our lives. As a matter of fact, if you didn't take this note down make certain that you write it either in your notepad or upon the table of your heart. God told Joshua in Joshua one eight, This book of the law shall not depart out of your mouth but thou shalt meditate therein by day and night that thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein, and then you'll make your way prosperous, and then you will have great success. Good success. In that simple verse of Scripture, he reveals to us how to become a doer of God's Word. A doer of love. Well, how do we do it? First of all, this book of the law shall not depart out of your mouth. In other words, we have got to constantly be saying it. Talking about it. Or confessing it. And then, as we confess it and meditate it by day and night, it'll then begin to have an effect upon our actions. And as we say it, and as we confess it, and as we meditate it, then eventually it will be put into motion. It'll begin to dominate and influence our lives. And then we'll begin to rise up beyond the realm of the flesh, into the realm of the Spirit and live and dwell with Him in that place. Here are some of the characteristics of this agape love. See, if God didn't reveal this to us, then we would have no knowledge of it. Because this is not human love. This is divine love in manifestation. In 1 Corinthians 13, beginning at verse 4, and I'm reading from the Amplified Bible, it says, Love endures long and is patient and kind. In other words we start saying i endure long and i am patient and kind while i'm enduring long i'm patient and kind i know that there are times that it's difficult to to uh, experience harmony in relationships sometimes the people that we work with may see something differently than we do sometimes once in a while You may think that your way is right. He or she may think that their way is right. And then, you know, you can begin to butt heads over over the thing. And before you know it, you can have conflict. You can have warfare. You can have all kinds of trouble. But as the child of God, you learn to endure in those kind of situations. And also, you be patient and kind in the family setting. Very often the same thing takes place. Husbands and wives have got to endure long with each other, but God wants us to practice being patient and kind while we're enduring long. How does this affect my faith? It affects our faith inwardly. Whether we realize it or not, something is happening on the inside of us that is changing us that enables us to be better equipped in faith. I want to say that again. An activity of God takes place inside of us when we practice love that enables us to be better equipped to operate in faith. And the whole idea is to practice love because faith works by love. And so you can see that it all takes place on the inside of us as we practice love. And so we should say daily, today I will endure long in all situations, and while I'm enduring long, I'll be patient and kind. Now, I guarantee you, the first time you start practicing this section of God's Word, you will be sorely challenged. You might as well just get ready for a conflict, for a battle, for warfare, because you will be challenged by the enemy. The Bible says that when anyone receives the Word of God, immediately comes the devil, the thief, to steal the Word out of the person's heart and life. Isn't that what it says? You can read the parable of the sower and you'll discover that to be a truth. Satan will come along immediately to see to it that you don't enforce God's Word and will in your life. And when you make the decision knowing the rewards of love to begin operating in that love, he'll challenge you. You'll start saying, I endure long and I'm patient and kind. It'll make certain that anything and everything can come your way will to get you impatient and unkind. I remember one time I was just trying to get home from a place. You ever get home and you're driving behind somebody that's going 25 in a 55 zone? And you can't pass? And the moment the passing zone comes... Cars are coming the other way so you can't pass. And all you want to do is just get home and relax and all that. You know what I'm talking about? And finally, you have to turn off that road and you think freedom at last. You make your right hand turn and the moment you do, someone else pulls out in front of you who's worse than the other one was. You ever been there before? And you know this is a setup. You know it's going to be like that all the way home, right? Right? Are you impatient and unkind? Someone says the acid test is what a person does at church. No, it's what he does in the car when he's behind those people. (laughs) That's the acid test right there. No one's around. You can just let go if you want to, see. But God wants us to be patient and kind. And, you know, all kinds of situations will arise in life. I mean, when you're off to lunch, you've only got a you know a certain amount of time for your lunch break. Four people to cut in line, right in front of you. You want to stop by the bank and you know do you know something over there at the bank? You've got to make a deposit or whatever. And invariably, someone else will you know just cut right in front. Or whatever. All kinds of crazy things will happen. And you know, in some cases, I believe we're being set up just to see to it that we don't let the word of God get a hold of us. There's always going to be a challenge when it comes to living for God. There's always going to be a challenge when it comes to experiencing the best that God has. And it's not that God is causing us the problems. It's the enemy out there who comes to steal, kill and destroy... Who wants to see to it that we don't get developed in God's Word or in His love. Because if He can prevent that from happening, then He has shut us down spiritually. Can you see that? And so, to be better prepared for this, we should recognize and know in advance, we will be tested. You know, there were those who would come to this church and they'd start saying, You know, we never heard people preach divine healing before. I've had people say, and you know, for the most part of my life, I've been walking in, you know, in health. I've been a healthy person. But I never heard anybody preach divine healing. I start coming to church here, I start hearing divine healing, and I start practicing the Word of God, and immediately, all this sickness starts coming on me. The enemy will come and do his part. He'll try to prevent us from going in the Word of God. And beloved, we've got to rise up above the storms and the temptations and the situations that we encounter in this life and hold fast to the Word of God in the midst of the adversity. And so in the midst of it all, we've got to say, I endure long, I am patient and kind. Now look at the next part. Love never is envious nor boils over with jealousy. Your confession is, I'm not envious... I don't boil over with jealousy. I'm not envious of anyone. You know, in this life, there's all kinds of personalities. In this life, some people are tempted to be jealous and envious of what other people have. I've never had that problem. You know, we all have certain areas of weakness and that sort of thing, but that's never been a problem in mine. I mean, as far as I'm concerned, if someone comes along and says, you know, God blessed me with a million dollars. I say, praise God, I serve the same Father. And He meets all my needs and supplies all my needs according to His riches and glory by Christ Jesus. And He blessed you, He's my Father too. He's going to bless me. Amen? And that's how we should view it. We should not be jealous of what somebody else has or what somebody else gets from God. Never. There are those who are jealous that God has given certain individuals ministries. I mean that. Oh, they wish they could be used like so-and-so's being used. You know what? Don't make your Christian life so hard. Don't try to be someone that you're not. And don't try to do something God didn't anoint you to do. There are the, those have been so jealous they went on all kinds of radio stations and went under because God never told them to do it. But Brother Doodad had a radio station and that's why they wanted to have one too. Do you see what I mean? I mean, we should never be jealous of what God does as far as giving someone else an anointing for working the miracles or whatever. Who doesn't want to work miracles? But if that's not your calling, then you stay away from it. As a matter of fact, I remember Brother Hagan saying many times that, you know, when God anointed him to pray for the sick, he says, I wish you'd give it to somebody else. Those that really know. What is mandated of the individual that has it would rather say, give it to somebody else because I don't want that kind of tremendous responsibility in my life. That's the truth. I've heard him say it many times. He says, all I'd like to do would just be a pastor somewhere. Some small little church and just love the people. That's what I would want to do if I had my choice. But the Lord says, it's not your choice. It's what I choose to do through your life. Can I also say this? If, if a person is, is jealous over what God is doing for someone else or how God is using someone else, they're missing out on the fact that God wants to use them in a special way and they never go seeking that way because they're wanting someone else's anointing. So when we talk about jealousy, it's not just talking about, well, they've got a nicer house or they've got a nicer car or they wear nicer clothes or something like that. There's all kinds of things to be jealous about and be envious of. And we should never be that way. Never should we be that way. As a matter of fact, just thank God for what you have and thank God for all the abilities that He has given you. And if anything, you just use what He has given you. And you know what? If He anoints what you have, I'm going to tell you something. The devil better look out. Because if he'll just take what you have and anoint that, you're going to do a mighty work for God. See, too often people just sell themselves short. And they think that because I'm not, you know, flamboyant, I'm not out there in some kind of charismatic ministry or whatever, that God's not using me like He's using somebody else. And you're missing out how God really wants to use you in a special way to reach hearts and touch lives. Pursue that. You've got a prayer closet, don't you? Amen. Amen. Just get in it and say, God, here I am. Heavenly Father, I open my life to You. Use me as You see fit. Anoint me to do Your will. Equip me and I will be equipped. And I'll be faithful and I'll be loyal. See, that's loving God. And you can best love people that way when you operate under your anointing and don't covet somebody else's. Can you say amen? So love, once again, is never envious and it doesn't boil over with jealousy. It's also not boastful or vainglorious and doesn't display itself haughtily. In other words, it's not always boasting on itself. I did this and I did that and I did this and I did that. And the emphasis is on the I and wanting people to know what you did. And there's always that, that kind of temptation because who doesn't want that kind of recognition? Who doesn't want their talents or abilities to be seen? In the natural or in the flesh, we're all that way for the most part. You know, we all want to you know be proud of the things that we do in life. And there's nothing wrong with giving honor to whom honor is due. But don't you be the one who want to bestow the honor upon yourself. The Bible says that pride goes before fall and a haughty spirit before destruction. He doesn't want us to be that way. He doesn't want us to look down upon somebody else. He doesn't want us to build ourselves up by looking down upon somebody else. You know, some people think that the only way they can build themselves up is by putting somebody else down. As a matter of fact, He wants us to turn that whole thing around and He wants us to see others and esteem them as more highly than ourselves. Did you ever read that in the Word of God? If you really want to learn how to live in God's realm, then begin esteeming others more highly than yourself. As a matter of fact, it says, don't look out for your own good. Look out for the good of others. Don't exalt yourself. Exalt somebody else. As a matter of fact, am I not true in saying this? The easiest thing to find in somebody else is their fault. Isn't that true? The easiest thing to find or discover about someone else is their fault. And their faults will be magnified right before our very eyes. And if you're a little bit slow in that area, the devil will come along and help you. Isn't that true? You know that's true. You know, we all have faults and flaws and frailties and all. We all have imperfections and all that. And very, it's very easy to find fault with somebody else. And if they're doing something, I mean, I think some of you young ladies out there, you know this. You know you can't bake a cake. The way your mother wants you to bake a cake? You know what I'm talking about? No matter how you do it, you just didn't do it right. Am I alone out here? Or I hear some amens out there? And some guys, you know, no matter how you do whatever it is that you're doing, you can't do it well enough to please your father. <laughs> That was a hearty amen. <laughs> I know that's true. You know, because they've had more experience, and of course, you just don't do it as well. And so, you know, you don't. I don't know for, for the likes of it. No matter what things I would do, along many lines, you know, my dad would always say, "Well, that's just not the right. That's not how I would do it, or that's not the way to do it, or or whatever. You're not doing it right. I'm going to do that. Let me do it, or whatever." You know, instead of always doing that and being that kind of a person, what God is saying to us, I want you to begin to compliment other people. When you're tempted to look at their faults, and that's every day. When you're tempted to to bring out their imperfections, and that's all the time. Recognize that is something that God wants us to leave. Deny yourself. You ever tempted to talk about someone else? And the way they treat you or the way they act. you never been tempted to do that? Right. <laughs> Once again, that is natural. But God is saying, I want you to leave that realm. I should say, love is saying, deny yourself that luxury. Deny yourself that feeling of... I guess I pointed out their flaws. And start talking about the good of the person. You want to hear a challenge? That is a challenge and a half. Because invariably, someone will walk right up to you and say, Hey, you see how so-and-so is? And what God wants you to say, or what love wants you to say is, But aren't they a wonderful person? And don't they have a sincere heart? Well, I know they have flaws, and I know you have flaws too. And you know I have flaws too. But is that what God wants us to focus on? Paul the Apostle says, I know no man after the flesh, only after the Spirit. What was he doing? Protecting himself. Did you hear that? In other words, he wants us to leave the realm that always cuts people down and live in the realm that always builds people up. And something will happen inside you that will make your faith life more effective. You'll start living in that realm of God. There will be a confidence built up on the inside of you that will make your faith awesome. Okay, it goes on and it says that it's not conceited, arrogant, inflated with pride. It's not rude or unmannerly and does not act unbecomingly. See, love is not conceited. It's not arrogant. It's not inflated with pride. It's not rude and it's not unmannerly. And you know, we can be rude. People can be rude. But He wants us to be careful that we're not rude when we deal with other people. Do you ever find yourself in a position that you're blaming the sales clerk for the company's rules? And they're just standing back behind a cash register and the counter, and they're just saying, I just work here. I didn't write the rules. Don't scream at me. You know, even as a believer, if we're not careful, we can be rude in our treatment of other people. And love does not want us to be that way. Yeah, but you don't understand, buddy. I've got my rights. Well, that's why the next part's for you. You ready for it? Love, God's love in us, does not insist on its own rights or own way. Well, it's got to be my way, or I'm throwing my ball and batting down, taking it with me, I'm going home. No, God said in His Word, He doesn't want us to insist upon our own rights or ways. He wants us to leave that realm and enter the realm of divine love. You know, if God wanted things His way, which He did from the very beginning, and insisted that they be done His way, Adam and Eve would have been robots. But He says, I'm giving you free choice. You can make a decision to do right. You can make a decision to do wrong. Now, I want you to do what is right. But he did what was wrong. Thank God for provisions that were made for all of us and redemption. But the point is, even God didn't insist that Adam do it his way. He did not insist that Eve do it his way. We need to evaluate the way we are and really begin to recognize whether or not divine love is influencing and persuading our lives. And Paul the Apostle was absolutely certain that because, now listen carefully, because he lived in love's realm, you ready for this? His judgment, when he stood before Jesus on Judgment Day, would be a good one. How many of you know we all have to stand before the judgment seat of Christ to receive what we have done in our bodies, whether it be good or bad? Isn't that true? Well, you see, it may seem as though people are winning over us because of our conviction to live in the realm of love, but you know what? In the end, we win. In the end, love wins. Satan and the people of Israel, the Jews and the Jewish leaders and rulers and the Romans thought they beat Jesus. You know, you can kill it. You can kill Him like they did and He still won. He rose up victorious over death, hell, and the grave. And right now, holds all authority in heaven, earth, and beneath the earth. He did that by living in the realm of love. He was love personified. And so in the end, love won. You say, but I want my justice now. Wait till Judgment Day. On that day of judgment, if you want to have a good judgment, let me just put it to you like this. Jesus Himself said, Judge not that ye be not judged. How would you like to be there on Judgment Day and say, I'm not going to be judged? Your friend might say, Well, why do you think you're not going to be judged? What makes you think you're not going to be judged? Because I didn't judge anybody else. I didn't have a critical spirit. I wasn't going to be judgmental about other people and what they've done or what they did and all that. I let the judging be up to God. And I chose just to turn the other way. Someone says, did you see what they did to you? You should get even. You should should just do this or you should just do that. You should tell them off. But love says, vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. Now, if they want a war with God, that's up to them. But as far as I'm concerned, I'm not going to judge them. I'm not go- love is not going to criticize them. Love is just going to walk the other way. And you know the Bible says, right, that that's a strength in a person's life to do so. And on judgment day, you will not be judged. As a matter of fact, in Romans chapter 14, you know the Word says, Who art thou that judges another man's servant? Doesn't it say that? It's to his Lord whether he stands or falls. Isn't that true? And so therefore, why judge another man's servant? As a matter of fact, since we're talking along that line, I want you to look at that with me. Go on, hold your place there and look at Romans 14 real quick. Romans 14, it's not too far. Now, notice I'm reading from the Amplified, but look at verse 4. Who are you to pass judgment and censor another's household servant? It is before his own master that he stands or falls. And he shall stand and be upheld, for the Master of the Lord is mighty to support him and make him stand. Now go on down to uh, verse 10. Why do you criticize and pass judgment on your brother? Or you, why do you look down upon or despise your brother? For we shall all stand before the judgment seat of God. It is written, as I live, says the Lord, every knee shall bow to me. And every tongue shall confess to God, that is, acknowledge Him to His honor and to His praise. And so each of us shall give an account of himself. And that word account in the Greek means an oral discourse. Each of us will give an oral discourse of himself, give an answer in reference to judgment to God. Then let us no more criticize and blame and pass judgment on one another, but rather decide and endeavor never to put a stumbling block or an obstacle or a hindrance in the way of a brother. So in other words, he's actually revealing to us how to have the greatest and the best judgment of all. How? Make a decision to live by this rule. I'm not going to criticize or judge God's servants. Yeah, but you saw what they did. They did it. They showed it on TV. They did this, he did this, he did that. But, but, but wait a minute. We didn't say they were right, we didn't say they were wrong. Whether they're right, whether they're wrong is irrelevant. You realize that? We're not the judges. Now, we've been called kings and priests and heirs, but I don't see anywhere that we have robes of judgment on. Did you ever see that in the Bible anywhere? No. And so the point is, that's between that person and God. We're not to get caught up into this thing called criticism and develop critical spirits and judgmental attitudes because if we do, then we judge ourselves. And with what measure we judge others, we will be judged. Now, you know what? I like mercy. Mercy and I get along really well. I love showing mercy. You know why I love showing mercy? Because the Bible says, Unto the merciful, He will show Himself merciful. Now, I don't know about you, but I need a lot of mercy. Do you? Well, do you want a lot of mercy? Be merciful. Be merciful. Forgive people like that. But you don't understand. They did it to me ten times. Jesus said, if they did it 490 times in one day, forgive them. Didn't He say that? I said, didn't He say that? My goodness. 490 times in one day, forgive them. I can hear it now. People are counting them up. 489. Please do it twice more. (laughs) Make 491 so I don't have to forgive you today. <laughs> but what was he, what was he saying? You he see, he's speaking to our hearts and he is saying, look, I want you to just let go of all that. If you really want mercy in your life, and we all need it, beloved, then be merciful to other people. That's not saying let people walk all over you and, and all that. You need to protect yourself from that. But we're talking about being Merciful. We all have imperfections. We all have faults. We all make mistakes. We all do things that are wrong. How would you like it if God would have judged you the first time you responded to would you like to be born again? You know, the first time I heard that expression I thought the person was a lunatic. Be born again? What are you talking about? You, would you like to be born again? Jesus said you must be born again. I said what... um, Nicodemus said in the Bible, how can a person be born again? I was born once. I said, isn't that enough? And I mean, I was just, you know, like most people are. Didn't accept that. I'm glad God had mercy on me. Amen. Matter of fact, I remember telling someone, I don't kill anybody. I don't steal. I go to church. You know, and all that. So I'm good enough. You've heard that before, haven't you? Boy, am I glad God had mercy on me for saying that. Because if I was good enough, He wouldn't have sent Jesus to die for me. Right? So what I'm saying is, beloved, we are to be people of mercy. God has shown mercy untold toward every single one of us. You know it's true. And you know what? He has an abundance of it. His mercy is renewed Every morning, His compassions and His mercies are renewed every single day. And if it we're not for the mercy of God and the compassion of God, we'd all be consumed. Did you hear that? We all would be consumed. So if you really want mercy and not judgment, all you've got to do is show mercy to other people. When they say, please forgive me, say, yes, I will. Amen. Well, Once again, look at the First Corinthians chapter 13. And, you know, for yourself, once again, make your statement of confession or confession of faith every day. Love, God's love in me, does not allow me to insist on my own rights of ways. It's not self-seeking. I'm not touchy, fretful, or resentful. That's verse 5. I'm reading from the Amplified Bible. And let this be your Confession. God's love in me does not allow me to insist on my own rights or ways. I'm not self-seeking. Hmm. Deny yourself. Wow. Say that with me. I'm not self-seeking. I'm not self-seeking. Brother Hagen, he says, I practice this this way. Sometimes in the morning, he says, every, every day, I guess he makes breakfast for his wife. Every single morning. And he says, and when I make the eggs, the the good egg goes to my wife. And when I make the bacon, the good bacon goes, the piece of bacon, the better one, the one that's cooked the best. And the egg that looks the best, that goes to my wife. He says, I take the other. Because he says, I always want others. I'm seeking the good of others. I'm not self-seeking. I'm not looking what's good for me. I'm looking out for you. You know what? God's looking out for us. He's looking out at what's good for us. That's the way He is. And He says, I want you to be like that. But you know, we're afraid to be that way for the most part. Our flesh is afraid to be that way. You know why? Because our flesh feels if we're not self-seeking, then self won't be taken care of. And did you know that God's laws and principles are absolutely the opposite of that? See, self says, go get it, make it yours. God says, give it away and I'll see to it that you get more. And your flesh says, that is ridiculous. Get it as much as you can. Take as much as you can. Store up as much as you can, and you'll have more. And God says, the more you give, the more I'll see that you have. And so there you are, trying to change your whole life and lifestyle. And rather than just taking, you start being the... You start living by that rule, beloved. i tell you what. If you want to really experience the love and the joy of God, be a giver. Don't be self-seeking. Always listen for God. He's always going to tell you how to bless another person. And you know what? If you will do that, oh, you will have so much of God in your life, He'll ooze out your pores. I mean that. You'll have so much joy, so much delight in your life, and you know what? Your faith will grow. Now, think about it. As you give out in love, your faith grows. Because, you know, for you to give of what you have first means you're confident that you can believe God to restore you back even more. And it's never failed. Many times, and I've done this on numerous occasions, I've been in positions where financially, you know, God said, I want you to give this amount of money to that ministry. And you know, I didn't have that kind of money to give to that ministry. But I said, I will pledge to you to do so. And you know, every time I ever made a decision to do something like that, God always gave more back than what I gave. And once again, it's an action that's taking place inside your spirit that's changing the condition of your heart. My heart making me a different kind of a person. One of love. And one of faith. So once again, love is not self-seeking. It's not touchy, fretful, or resentful. And we're just going to quickly read through this. We don't have time. But it takes no account of the evil done to it. Have you ever been touchy? Have you ever been fretful? Have you ever been resentful? Have you ever taken an account of any evil done to you? You keep a log... Do you keep a record? Do you write it down? I know I've heard some say, boy, I wish just for about five minutes we lived under the Old Testament law. An eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. Right? Well, God doesn't want us to live that way anymore. But we'll expound on these things. It takes no account of the evil done to it. I like this. And pays no attention to a suffered wrong. Say this with me. I'm not touchy, fretful, or resentful. I take no account of the evil done to me. I pay no attention to a suffered wrong. Wow. Boy, isn't that a new way of living? It gives new meaning to the song, I found a new way of living. I found a new life divine. I've got the fruit of the Spirit, which is love. I'm abiding in the vine. I'm taking no account of the evil done to me. I'm paying no attention to a suffered wrong. Can you see that? My goodness, that's how he wants us to be. And there's something in there about saying he believes the best about every person. And we'll talk about that too. But for right now, we've got to get around this altar. Did you know that? We have got to get to this altar, praise God, before we leave this place. Thank you for listening to our legacy teachings. We pray today's message has a profound impact upon your life and your ministry. I want you to know that God loves you, has a great plan for your life.